Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So would you please stand for the reading of the word? We're looking at Genesis 37, 1 through 27. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Don't do that. It's not a good idea. Okay? I'm just just saying. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made richly ornamented, 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 I knew that didn't sound right, robe for him. When his brother saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And he could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and and all of a sudden my sheaves rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and he had and because of his dream that he had said to them. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. You think he would have wised up by now. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. I love Joseph's, oh, his naivety here. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come and I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived to Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. He comes, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. 
Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to secure him, or he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. When Joseph had came to his brothers, they stripped him of of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat their meal. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to look at the story of Joseph here today, as you can tell. And before I dive into the message, just want to share with you two very important things. Both of them involve two weeks from today. Two weeks from today is March 6th, Sunday, March 6th. And on that Sunday, we're going to extend our one service only one more Sunday. So next Sunday is not the last one service only. We're going to extend it into March 6th one more time and do one service only at 1045 right here. Then after that, we're going to go back to two services because as you can see, we definitely need that. So it's going to be a good thing for us moving forward. I'm excited for the future, but we're going to do that one last time on March 6th as we kick off Season two of the Apocalypse series. We're going back to Revelation and just want to get back into Revelation. And I just, in a special way, we want to kick off that, that series all together at 1045. Also, that night is our vision night. And I just want to extend an invitation to all of you to come to vision night that night at six o'clock. It's going to be a very important night. We're going to have lots of fun. It'll be funny. It'll be entertaining, but very important in regards to the future of our church. We're going to share some things that are brand new for our church, and I just would love to have all of you there that night. It's going to be a very important night. So that's Sunday, March 6th. All right, so let's dive into the word here today. We're going to talk about how our family impacts our life today. And what I want to encourage us to do is to go back in order to go forward. We all want to go forward in life, right? We want to move on, progress, grow, uh, you know, get better things, whatever. We want to move forward. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to go backwards. But sometimes we got to go back in order to go forward. And I want to encourage you to do that today as we talk about the foo factor. The foo factor is your family of origin. And every single one of us has a foo factor that impacts us one degree or another right now, today. So as we talk about family and family of origin, I thought I'd share some pictures of me as a kid and my family. And so this is me when I was a baby. I was probably, you know, I don't know, 10 months or so. And that's my parents all in their 70s glory right there. And oh, that's both pictures. We've got both pictures there. Okay, then we've got the other, the vacation picture, which we like to call the Griswold vacation picture. As you can see, my father bearing no shirt and, and just, uh, so that's, that's, that's my family of origins, the family that I grew up in. It's amazing how our family impacts us, even into adulthood. The family that we grew up in 
has tremendous impact on our life. And I want to encourage you to really reflect and think on this today because I believe it's that important. How did your family handle conflict? How did your family deal with relationships? How did your family deal with communication? All those things impact you in your life. And it's amazing how no matter what family we grew up in, you know, a lot of us, like I grew up in a family, I knew they loved me. I knew God loved me, but there were still issues that I, that I took into adulthood with me. And all of us were handed some baggage by our parents, right? And I'm just praying, God, help, help me minimize the amount of baggage I'm giving to my kids. Lord, could you just help me with that? But we all do that, right? We all have issues. And, uh, and that just that's happens as a part of life. Thankfully, God's grace is in this. And we'll talk about that. But it's important that you and I are aware of the impact of our family of origin. Because here's what happens. What happens in one generation often repeats itself in the next. You notice this? What happens in one generation often will repeat itself in the next. That's why you see addiction run rampant through families. Alcoholism. Broken relationships. You'll see abuse run rampant through families because things tend to repeat themselves. And so I'm going to encourage you as we continue on in this emotionally healthy series to go beneath the surface of your life and invite God into that place as you explore. Is there pain? Is there hurt? Is there issues from my past that I really need to deal with because they are impacting me today? And oftentimes we're not consciously aware of those things. Oftentimes, we don't realize that the, 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 the way we're handling things, the way we're dealing with issues in our life stems back to our family of origin. But my goal is that you and I are all emotionally mature, that we're emotionally healthy. That's God's goal for your life, too. Did you know that? So in order to be emotionally healthy, we must go back in order to go forward. And here's the message I want you to catch today. If I could put the message in one sentence, it's, it's this. Jesus can set you free from the patterns and the pain of your past. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He can set you free from the patterns and the pain of your past. And so we're going to look at the life of Joseph. We're going to go to uh, chapter 45 in Genesis. If you want to turn there, if you've got your Bible, if you want to go there on your digital device, feel free to go there. But Joseph's an interesting guy. His story encompasses 25% of the book of Genesis. More than any one other story is about the story of Joseph. He's very significant. And uh, what we see is when we (laughs) dive into Joseph's family is even though he came from a good lineage, like his great, like his dad was Jacob, his grandfather was Isaac, and his great-grandfather was Abraham. Talk about family lineage. Like, dude, that's legit. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were your grandparents and your parents? Like, wow, okay. So you think a guy like Joseph would have it all together, but even these guys had major dysfunction in their family, which gives hope for all of us. <laughs> Joseph has like, repeated issues that, that you see. There's dysfunction. There's lying and deceit in his family. Joseph's dad, Jacob, his name actually means deceiver. And Jacob did it several times in his life. He deceived people, even his own dad. Uh, we see the, the brothers of, of Joseph. They hate Joseph. They want to kill him. They throw him in a pit and they sell him and they go and lie to their dad about what they did to the brother. Like, oh, something happened. Here's, his, here's his, his coat of many colors. 
He must have died, you know, and they, they lie. And so we see deceit. And so there's lots of dysfunction. And what we see is, uh, one of the things we see is favoritism. Like Pastor Amy just mentioned, it's not good to have favoritism, but it happened in every generation. There was favoritism by the dad on one kid. And so in this one, you see Jacob favors Joseph. And because of that, all of the other brothers hate him and they're jealous. And then you see uh, there's cutoffs in relationships where siblings stop talking to one another. Isaac and Ishmael. Jacob and Esau for years are cut off from each other. Joseph is estranged from his brothers now because they've sold him into slavery in Egypt for 20 years. He is cut off from this relationship of his brothers. And some of you, you know the pain of how that feels to be cut off from siblings and family members. We also see broken marriages in all of these generations. Like Jacob, the father of Joseph, has four women in his life. He's got two wives and two concubines. So we've got major polygamy going on in this marriage. Imagine the tension in that home. Imagine that house. Like, good luck with that, Jacob. And it didn't always go well for him. So what I love about the Bible is that from the very beginning, we see that families weren't perfect. Yet God still loves people and he uses them and he uses their families. I used to think that as I grew up and became adult, that life would be perfect and I'd be great. And I was very naive and innocent in my thinking. And, and, and I was always upset when the Bible talked about people's character flaws. Like these people in the Bible, they shouldn't have any character flaws. They shouldn't have any issues, right? And then I, as I realized that God doesn't, doesn't hide that from us. He shows us that he meets us where we're at and he uses us and uses even dysfunctional families. And we see this play out in this family and in Joseph's life here. So what we see in Joseph is no matter what he goes through, he continues to trust God. His faith is unwavering. And that, my friends, is, is commendable and is something I think you and I need to learn from and imitate. So Joseph, he gets sold into slavery and he becomes a slave in a guy named Potiphar's house. He's got favor there in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar elevates him, promotes him, puts him in charge of the entire estate. And then Potiphar's wife puts the moves on Joseph. So she's hitting on him, trying to put moves on him. And he runs away from it. And she's upset that he's running from her. And so she blames him. She's the one that sexually assaulted him. Yet he, she's blaming him for doing it. And so he gets innocently accused and thrown into prison because of it. And he's in prison for 10 years, all by himself, forgotten, even though he's innocent. A series of events in prison. God rescues him, pulls him out of prison. He gets elevated. He's got favor in Pharaoh's eyes. Pharaoh promotes him, and he's in charge of all the land. He is the governor of all of the land. And then the land goes through major famine. Everybody in that entire part of the world has to come to Egypt because they see that Egypt has food. And so wouldn't you know who comes back on the scene, back into Joseph's lives, 20 years later, none other but his brothers come wandering into Egypt because they need food. And what do they have to do to get food? They have to bow down before Joseph to get food. 20 years later, thus fulfilling this dream that Joseph had. Now, Joseph recognizes his brothers, but the brothers have no idea it's their, bro it's their brother Joseph. No idea. He questions them, and then he sends them back with food and says, but if you guys come back, though, you have to bring back 
Reuben, the youngest brother, because that was Jacob's, or Joseph's full brother from his mom. Not his half-brother like all the other brothers, but it was his full brother. He says, I want to see, they didn't bring Reuben, so make sure when you come back, I will not give you any food unless you bring him. So he goes back, and then they, they all come back, and they need more food, they bring Reuben, and so when Joseph sees his brother, his little brother, it says that, oh, Benjamin, sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right, thank you for that, yeah. I've read through so many names this week, they're all confusing. Sorry. So when Joseph sees Benjamin, he loses it. And he runs out of the room, goes to his private quarters, and he cries, and he weeps, and he washes his face, and he comes back, and he's all strong in front of, in front of his family, has a meal with them, and he's eating dinner with all of his brothers there, and then he finally can't take it any longer. He's got to share with them who he is. So they have no idea. So let's go to Genesis chapter 45. Verse 1, and let's read the account of what takes place here. Verse 1, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. He cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will not be plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. And so Joseph finally shares with his brothers, like, it's me. Now, imagine what could have happened in this moment as he shares with his brothers who he really is. I mean, he could have taken the, the, all the, the, the wardrobe, the hat, whatever he was on. He's like, hey, suckers, guess what? It's me. You know, it's like, I told you this was going to happen. You had to bow down before me. I had the dream. And you said, what are we ever going to bow? We're never going to bow down to you. We'll never do that. And he's like, see, I told you I was right. And he could have taken revenge on them in that moment. Yet, I mean, if ever there was somebody who could have been bitter towards his family, if ever there was someone who deserved to be bitter toward his family, it would be Joseph. Yet, did you notice his response? And I love what verse 8 says. He says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. All through this, we see Joseph somehow respond in a healthy way towards his brothers, even though he could have gotten revenge. Did you know that it's possible to go through anything in life and still trust God? Did you know that it's possible to go through painful experiences in life and not have it negatively affect you for the rest of your life? It is totally possible with God's help. Now, it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes 
God uses good godly counselors and, and therapy. I recommend that when you need that. But here's, my, here's what I've learned is that when you lean into God, when you keep trusting him no matter what you go through, and you, you meet him in that place of pain, whatever that is, you're going to find freedom from that pain, and, and, and he's going to be able to show you the future that he has for you because he doesn't want you stuck in that pain. He doesn't want you stuck in that past. He has a great future. And God's more concerned about your future than your past, but some of us, our past is holding us back from our future and the future that God has for us. So we've got to go back in order to go forward. But as you go back, please know this, that God can use even those painful things for his good. This is what we've got to stand on Romans 8.28. I love Romans 8.28. It says, we know that God causes everything. Everybody say everything. Everything, even the tragic things, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you believe that? That's a promise straight from the word of God. Everything. He can work for good. Why? Because God's a redeemer. God's a restorer. I'm here to declare today that some of you, you're going to see God restore relationships in your life. Some of you are going to see God restore, uh, restore broken family relationships in your life. You're going to see him heal painful experiences of the past because that is who he is and that's what he wants to do in your life. I'm here to declare that Jesus can set you free from your past and the patterns and the pain of your past. All right. But understand this. No one emerges from their family unscathed. No one gets out of it without any baggage, like I said. And the good news is that the, the power of the gospel is that when we come to Jesus, we have a new life in him. We are a new creature. We, he gives us a new, a new heart. We're born again spiritually. We've got a new family, a new father, new brothers and sisters. We've got an inheritance in heaven. We've got a new name. We're Christians, all of this. But oftentimes in all of that new that God is doing in our life, there's still baggage that we're carrying with that, that we've got to deal with. There's still some of those old values maybe of Egypt back from your past that you're carrying. And I want, you, I want you to know today that your family does not have to determine your destiny. Your family does not have to determine your destiny. God does. You see, your identity does no longer come from the blood of your biological family. Your identity now comes from the blood of Jesus. Hmm. The blood of Jesus gives you an identity as a child of God. And we know the importance of blood, right? Blood represents life. It's what gives us life. It's what helps sustain life, right? This is an easy moment to just plug, give blood today, okay? Donate blood, right? Okay, so it's available. Feel free throughout the day. They're here for us. We would love to be a blessing to them and to other people. But here's what the Bible says about what Jesus did for us. Romans 3. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Whose sin? Yours, my, all of us. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You know that every human on planet Earth has a longing deep inside of their heart. And that longing is, they may not realize it or not, but that longing is to be right with their creator to be close to their maker, to God. This is why people get into religion. I want to have peace with, with the universe. I want to have peace with myself. But there's only, way to have, only one way to have peace 
with God, and that's to believe in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And then you have peace with God. And here's what I've discovered is you and I cannot have peace with ourselves until we have peace with God. And then we can discover peace with ourselves. And so Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood so that you can have new life, so that you can be free, so that you can experience his healing and saving power. And he's got a great future for you. Jesus can set you free from the patterns and the pain of your past. But many of us, we've experienced some pretty traumatic things. Trauma. If we had time, we could go around and share stories of major trauma that we've experienced in our life. What is trauma? Trauma is it's an earthquake event that has lasting effect on your mental or emotional health. And some of you have experienced major life-shaking trauma. It, it shocks your life. It, it's a shock to your system. It, it really shakes your whole se- uh, sense of, uh, of safety and security in the world. Trauma is that powerful, and some of you have experienced some trauma. When you look at the life of Joseph, you see at least three traumas that he experienced. The first one you see is he's betrayed by his brothers. Like, they not only don't like him, they're not just jealous of him, they want to kill him. So they throw him in a pit, and they're just arguing about how they're going to kill him. Now, many of us, we had siblings growing up, and you probably fought with your siblings if you had siblings, right? You see, like, I see that every day in my house currently between the two siblings that live in our house. They fight, they fight, fight, okay? So all the fighting you had with your siblings growing up, you probably never experienced one of them wanting to kill you and trying to kill you. But that's what Joseph is experiencing. He's betrayed by his own brothers. Second trauma is then he's sold into slavery. It's another betrayal by his brothers, but then he lives in slavery for years. He is a slave. This is the first mention in Scripture of human trafficking as Joseph is trafficked to Egypt. Imagine the pain. He's all alone in a foreign country, foreign land by himself as a slave. And then number three, he's thrown into prison. He's falsely accused, and he's left in prison for 10 years all by himself. He's not the one that sexually assaulted the other person. She did it to him, then accused him, and he gets thrown in prison, it, which it doesn't feel good to be falsely accused. Have you ever, that ever happened to you, been falsely accused? As I was thinking through the story this week, I, I remembered a moment when it happened to Amy and I actually years ago when we were dating. So this last week was Valentine's Day. It was me and Amy's 20th Valentine's together. We had lots of fun celebrating Valentine's Day. So about this time, 20 years ago, we were dating and I got called into my pastor's office for an issue. I was in trouble. I'm a pastor on staff at a church. And so he's like, hey, Tyrone, I'm hearing rumors. There's things going on. You you and Amy were messing around and making out in the church parking lot last night. What's the deal? What's going on? (laughs) And so I'm like, whoa, what? Now, thankfully, I had made a decision that saved my bacon in this moment right here. Because I'd made this decision, okay, I'm not going to kiss her until or if I put a ring on the finger, which I hadn't done yet. We're just dating. We're in that, you know, that process. And so I had not even kissed her in this moment of our dating relationship. And so I was able to say, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I don't know where you heard that or how you heard about that, but I haven't even kissed her yet. I want to, but I haven't done it yet. 
And so just weird rumors, some, somebody on staff uh, told him, was spreading rumors and apparently saw us making out, doing things. I don't know. It was, and so it, was just, it, felt, it felt bad in that moment though, to be falsely accused. I felt like betrayed. But I didn't go to prison like Joseph. <laughs> Joseph was falsely accused and he sent to prison for 10 years. All, all, I mean, think about this. Like, these are three major traumas. We've all got crazy stories we could share in our life, right? Can you beat Joseph's? Like, this dude's life was crazy. At the age of 30, Joseph's life looks like a tragedy. For honest. It's tragic. All the things that he's had to go through, now he's just in prison. Seemingly for the rest of his life. But even through these three earthquake events in, in Joseph's life, you can see he continues to trust God. His faith in God doesn't waver. I pray that you don't ever have this level of trauma. But if you do, please know that God can bring you through it and he can bring you out of it. Amen. To be emotionally healthy, though, we got to go back in order to go forward sometimes. We got to go back and we got to process this. We got we to ask God to help redeem this hurt, heal this hurt, because he is a redeemer. He is a healer. He wants to restore. He wants to set you free. But you got to take the time and go the journey. And let me just challenge you to do that, because if you don't, pain that isn't transformed gets transferred. If we don't allow God to transform this pain and this hurt in our life, it will get transferred on to the next generation, which could get transferred on to the next generation. And some of us have found ourselves saying things and doing things that our parents did that we said we would never do. And we've seen the effects of this, right? So let Jesus transform the deepest hurt, the deepest parts of your life so that you don't transfer. Like the goal in my life is to transfer the least amount of baggage as possible to my kids. Lord, help me. So as we bring this message to a close, I want to encourage you with these three things, guys. These three next steps. As we process and learn from Joseph's story. Number one is this. Trust that God is guiding your life. Through the good and the bad, can you just do that? Can you trust God is still guiding you? Genesis 39, verse 21 says this. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. When you read through Joseph's story, you see that mentioned several times. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph right here and showed him his faithful love. Even in the darkest moments of Joseph's life, God is present. And we can see Joseph continue to have trust in his God. Joseph knew God was going to take care of him. His faith didn't waver. He didn't allow his circumstances to turn his back on God. And it's important that we do the same thing. It's amazing how circumstances can change our view of God, can change our theology of God. Well, if God is God, then this wouldn't happen. But can I just say that God is God, regardless of our life circumstances and our experiences. He either is God or isn't, outside of our experiences. So don't allow your circumstances to cause you to lose faith, to, to lose trust in a faithful God. The Lord was with Joseph, and I want you to know he's with you as well. He doesn't cause the trauma, but he can redeem it. He can restore you. 
If you'll let him, he'll meet you right there in that place and bring healing and freedom. And every step, every detour, every, everything that we go through in life, it's just an opportunity for God to use, to do something new, to show his blessings, to bring provision to your life, to bring guidance, to show you, even redirect your life. There's a promise in Psalm 37 that some of you need to declare of your life even right now. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. You stay faithful to God, you will never, ever, he will never abandon you. That is not who God is. Hmm. And then jumping ahead in the story, we'll get there again in a few minutes, but Joseph also says this in chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, which is similar to what he said in chapter 45. But he specifically looks at his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended this for good. Good. Now notice what Joseph does. He doesn't minimize the trauma. He doesn't say, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. You know, it's like, you know, it's all's well that ends well. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. No, he, he calls it out. Healing requires that you tell the truth about what happened. And he says, yeah, you, what you guys did, that was wrong. That was bad. That was evil. But what you meant for bad, God intended for the good. And he trusts God even through the bad. Hmm. You know, it's interesting to think about Joseph would not have ended up in that position if his brothers first hadn't sold him into slavery. They put him in a pit. <laughs> they sold him to slavery. And then from there, he gets thrown into prison. And then through all those circumstances, God elevates him to the palace. Joseph would have never, ever, ever made it to the palace if he hadn't gone through the pit and the prison. Can I just encourage you to trust that God is guiding your life? Always. Number two, grieve your losses. This is a big one for many of us, especially those of us that don't like to go to the emotions part of our life. Grieve your losses. Genesis 50. Let's go there and look how, how the story of Joseph ends, how the book of Genesis ends, essentially. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers, okay, so what happened is Joseph's family all came to Egypt and, and Joseph took care of them and their dad, Jacob, was there and, and, and lived, they all lived together and then, then Jacob, the dad, he dies. So this is where we pick up verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. Like, they're still lying. You catch this? The brothers are lying now to try to save their bacon. Verse 17, this is what you're to say to, say to Jason, Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. This is at least the third time in the story we see Joseph weeping. And we can see that Joseph is in a similar way to David in the Old Testament, a man who's in touch with his emotions, a man, a man who's not afraid just to let it all go, even in front of people. He's not just crying, he's weeping. Weeping is, is part of 
what happens when you're grieving, you're just extremely broken hearted. Joseph weeps. And out of this, it's amazing how God designed us to cry because there's a release that happens. There's, an emo- there's a healing that can happen when I just let go. And I say, God, I, I got nothing. I'm so hurt. I am so confused. And you just let it go. It's amazing how God can meet you right there in that place. Remember, Joseph before did it so loudly that all the Egyptians around could hear him. <laughs> and so it's out of this honest grieving and in his pain that he's able to forgive from his heart. You see, oftentimes we've got to go back in order to go forward. And the, all of these things are reminding Joseph of what his brothers did to him. He's crying. He's processing it out. He's putting it out there. I mean, every week I've said this, unprocessed emotions don't die. They will come out in unhealthy ways eventually. If you're going to break free from the past, though, you've got to process them. You've got to go back. You've got to deal with the hurt. I know we don't like to go there. It's too painful to think about. I don't want to relive those memories, but can I just encourage you to go back and invite God into that moment? And let him meet you in that moment and show you how much he can restore and heal and redeem even the tragic things that should have never happened to you, the things that were not your fault. Because that's what he wants to do. Don't avoid the pain. Meet God in that place and allow him to bring healing. You realize it's out of that pain that we hurt other people. And God wants to restore that and heal that so that you don't hurt other people. And first of all, yourself. And grieving is a big part of this, guys. You've got to grieve your losses. 2020 was a very tough year for all of us. Uh, but if I'm honest, 2020 was a painful year for me, extremely painful. Still to this day, every day I've got to grieve losses that I've experienced over the last couple of years. Losses of relationships, loss, just so much loss that I've had to deal with. And I've learned how God can bring healing and and help me through this as I look to him and as I grieve those things and not try to suppress them like I always did in the past. And I've admitted that. Like, I don't want to deal with emotions. I don't want to think about things. I want to be strong, super Christian. That's what I want to be. And I've learned the power of grieving and in in allowing God to help me grieve through things. And God spoke this phrase to me in 2020 that I've shared before, but I want to share again in this moment. And that is grow through what you go through. And God spoke that to me even before the pain got the worst. But it was God just saying, hey, if you're going to go through it, make the most of it. Please know that I'm not abandoning you. I'm faithful to you, but you're going through some stuff and I want to help you grow through it. So I just kind of made that determination. If I'm going to go through it, I might as well grow through it. I don't like it. I'm not asking for it. But God, would you help me grow? But then I learned through that process that I can't grow through what I don't grieve through. And if I don't grieve, I'm hindering my growth. Let me encourage you guys, grieve your losses. And the last next step is this, the last one. Allow God to transform your pain with forgiveness. Because God wants to transform that pain as you grieve it, as you process it, as you go there, that family pain, that whatever it is, God wants to transform that. I mean, imagine this scene. Joseph's brothers come to him for that, that first time, and they're bowing down. I mean, imagine the emotions for Joseph, all, all the hurt, the pain, the bitterness that could have risen up in that moment. He could have gotten revenge easily, thrown him into prison. 
And then their dad dies, and the, the brothers are still worried about this. Maybe he's going to give, you know, he's holding the grudge still. He's going to seek revenge on us. And so they lie and send this message because they're afraid that Joseph's going to seek revenge. And as they come to him, they, they, they kneel down, they bow down before him. Let me read that. I don't think we've read that. Let me read this here. Verse 18, his brothers came in chapter 50, verse 18, or verse 19. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So, though, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The emotional health that that required for him to respond in that way is incredible. Because again, he could have easily taken revenge. He could have easily said, hey guys, you kicked me out of your life. We were uh, apart from each other. You rejected me. I'm going to now reject you. I'm putting you guys in prison. I mean, he could have done all of those things. Yet what, what, what Joseph says is like, am I God? Is this really my position to do? Do you really think that I want to harm you in this? And he's crying, he's weeping. And then he says, did you catch this? No, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. I love that. Joseph says, I'm going to provide for you and your children. You know what Joseph is doing right there in that moment? This is powerful, guys. Catch this. He is standing up and he is saying, right now I'm breaking the cycle in our family. We've had too much brokenness, too much hurt, too much lying and deceiving. I am breaking it right now, and I'm going to speak grace and forgiveness over you guys. I'm going to bless you. Not only you, I'm going to bless your children. This cycle of dysfunction and brokenness in our family, that ends right now. I'm taking leadership of our family, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to forgive you. And friends, this... this forgiveness that he gives. This is a supernatural forgiveness that can only come from God. It's called grace. It's grace. Grace says, not only do I forgive you, not only am I not going to harm you, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you something that you don't even deserve, that you can't even pay back to me. That is grace. And God wants to help you give that grace. But first, you got to receive it from him. First, you got to receive that loving kindness and that grace from him. You know that Joseph really is a, is a foreshadowing of Jesus, of what Jesus was going to do generations later. Jesus was betrayed and rejected by his closest friends, just like Joseph. He's whipped. He's beaten, physically abused. He suffers, even though he is innocent, just like Joseph. On the cross, He's hanging there and he's saying, God, why have you abandoned me? He's all alone. But remember this, Jesus suffered in your place. Jesus took your sins to the cross for you. And when you look at the cross and what Jesus did for you, it echoes what Joseph said. Hey, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Like the cross seems so tragic and so brutal, but God meant it for good. The enemy thought he'd defeated Jesus. He thought he had won, but God knew he was doing something different. He was going to bring redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation and healing for all those who would believe in him and put their trust in him. God meant it for the good. 
which echoes exactly what Joseph said. So friends, Jesus forgave you so you can also forgive others. Even your family members who've hurt you, it doesn't mean that trust has to immediately be there. And you might even say, Tyron, you don't know what they did. There's no way I could ever forgive that person. And I'd say, you're right. You can't, but God can help you. With God's help, you can do that. And God wants to meet you in that place to help you speak and release that forgiveness. So you've got to deal with this. You've got to process this. You've got to go back in order to go forward. Remember, uh, the pain that we don't allow God to transform is going to get transferred. So you need to deal with this so that the cycle stops right now in your life and doesn't go any further. Let God transform your pain. Let him rewrite your story. Let him rewrite your family's story. Okay? Jesus can set you free from the patterns and the pain of your past. Will you let him? Why don't you stand your feet, guys, and let's, let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.